Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. listening to Passions and Prologues, a literary podcast where each week I'll interview an author about a thing they love and how it inspires their work. This is Adam Sokol, and if you are joining for the first time, thank you so much for tuning in. I really, really appreciate your support. If you have listened to the first three episodes, thank you for coming back. It means the world to me. In case you missed last week, it was an interview with Julia Whalen where we talked all about her truly masterful ability to pack a bag for a vacation. And I just can't explain to you how much fun that strange topic turned out to be. Instead of doing some positive feedback from all of you wonderful listeners, I'll just do it. I'll just read a tweet that Julia said about the episode. This was an absolute delight. Adam asked me about my only hobby, and you can very clearly hear what I sound like when I cannot shut up about something. So just a really, really fun episode to check out if you haven't already. Today's episode is with Ryan LaSala, and we will get to the main aspect of our conversation in just a moment, but you might know Ryan from his two already published books, Bedazzled and Reverie, and he has a new creepy horror novel called The Honeys coming out on August 16th. So if you are listening to this when it comes out, there's still time to pre-order, which extremely helps the author. If you're listening to this after August 16th, go get your copy wherever books are sold. Uh, Before we get to that specific conversation, I want to offer you a book recommendation that I'm really, really enjoying. And then I'll also do a TV show, which is a rarity for me. But I just finished The Woman in the Library by Sulari Gentile. And I feel like readers, there's a very specific uh, group of readers. If you are a Reading Glasses fan, this is a reading wheelhouse situation. But readers love books about books and specifically books about libraries. And of course, we all love a murder mystery. And this is a book about a murder mystery that takes place within a library, but it's also the ultra rare book within a book within a book. Um, The story kind of goes back and forth between these four new friends who met by chance in the Boston Public Library. They were in a reading room when they heard a woman's terrified scream and it ends up being a murder. This is not a spoiler. It takes place on like the first few pages. Um, But these four friends, these four people become fast friends and then they kind of realize that they think one of them might be the murder as well. But it bounces back and forth between their story and this epistolary conversation back and forth between uh, a very big fan of the person who's actually writing the story you're reading. And so it's this person giving notes to the author about different things that she could edit. And it's just really, really creepy and unsettling and interesting. Um, But to me, it's like a perfect Agatha Christie novel. It's like one of those 
books where someone is murdered in a room that's locked from the inside and all there is is a you know puddle of water on the ground and you have to figure out what happened. So truly incredible. The Woman in the Library by Sulari Gentil. Highly recommend it. Uh, the other thing I want to recommend is the TV show The Bear on FX. And if you've watched TV at all, you may have seen it, but I'm not it's hard for me to fall for a television show. I just don't like watching TV. I don't like long, drawn-out things. But The Bear is a 30-minute kind of drama comedy about this world-class chef who goes back to his roots in Chicago after his brother dies by suicide, and he tries to save the like family-owned sandwich shop, basically. And it's just this incredible cast of characters, and it is so true to life to the food industry and it's really incredible so highly recommend the bear highly recommend the woman in the library both definitely check them out okay today's conversation with ryan lasala i promise that the format of this podcast is pretty standard i find a person to talk to we talk about a thing that they're super passionate about i jokingly said in episode two with brad Meltzer that he didn't know what we were going to talk about but he knew it was going to be the Muppets, but that was me deciding. This is slightly different because Ryan didn't tell me what we were going to talk about until we were live and recording. So he gave me a few options and I'll let you hear what we ended up picking. But Ryan is just a, one of the funniest people around. I've constantly said he's the best follow on all of social media, but he's hilarious, but he's also intelligent and such a wonderful writer. And he just really understands how to tell a story in a way that keeps you kind of, it sinks its teeth into you and you can't, you know, you can't let go and you you ride it out to the very end. So uh, The Honeys is the exact same way and, and you're going to love it if you've loved his other two books. So, okay. I'm not going to keep you in this intro any longer. I'm so delighted about this conversation. So I hope you enjoy this discussion with Ryan Lasala on Passions and Prologues. All right. So hello. Ryan Lasala, hi, hello. This You're the first person who has come on that I have no clue what you're going to say when I ask you this first question. And I yeah. can't wait. Mm-hmm. So, Ryan, what are the th- what's the thing or things you're crazy passionate about? Oh my goodness, I have been waiting my whole life to be asked this question. I feel like I am just somebody who has a whole life that happens to write books, and that's like a really minor part of like my world in my mind, but it is the only thing that I get interviewed about, and so occasionally mm-hmm. someone will ask me this and it's very exciting. So, I have a bunch of stuff that we could talk about. So, I'm going to give you like a choice. We can talk about, we could talk about anime, specifically mm-hmm. Sailor Moon. You know I love Sailor Moon. We yes. could talk about Cats the Musical. That is always a hot topic with me. Okay. I can see you flinching already. <laughs> no, well, listen, I'm not flinching so much. As, no, keep going. We'll see. We're going to all these in. We can talk about um, cosplay and like con culture. That's what I thought we would talk about when I was thinking ahead of like, what would actually be sort of like, fun to talk about that's probably a good one Mm -hmm. um we can definitely talk about working out and exercise actually on my list when we were originally supposed to record this was going to be rollerblading but literally then my friend broke their wrist right before we were supposed to have this interview so i think we should take that off the table but i'll see if i can like slip it in somewhere okay so tell you what here's what we're gonna do because i have i have we've had i've done a recording with someone we talked about powerlifting i heard i heard and it was it was wonderful and you you are well known 
as well for being a very in shape person. I <laughs> I love every time you post. Honestly, the way that you post stuff about Miguel, like when you, I think you, my favorite tweet of yours ever was you were like, "Breaking news: My arms or something." <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Let's do cosplay because we can work in anime and cats. Technically, there I can. Yeah, out there. For people who have read your work, Bedazzled yeah. is mm-hmm. cosplay connected, but it's yeah. more so crafting. Right. So let's start from there because I do think actually before the I think like before I ever interviewed you for Reverie, I think I did get to know you as an online person through mm-hmm. your frequent posting of mm-hmm. things that you created. So when did you start getting into cosplay? What interested in you about it? Kind of like take us through your introduction to cosplay. The year is 2017, and I'm dating a really hot guy. And this is actually also, this is probably how you found me, because this is like when book Twitter became aware of me. It's because I was dating this like really cute guy that everyone was like head over heels in. And in like book Twitter world, everyone's like a freaking nerd. So if one of us nabs like a civilian, especially a civilian with like a nice jawline and a symmetrical face, it's like big news to everybody. And so I was dating this guy who was super super cute and this is like the thing that like I was known for my like really cute boyfriend (laughs) and also we would take a lot of photos at the gym and this is how I got known for wearing like exclusively short shorts to the point that I attended a book event the same year as people were starting to learn my name and someone literally came up to me and said oh my god Ryan Ryan Lasala I didn't recognize you with pants on on. (laughs) yeah this is like the middle of February in Boston and I was like well well, I do wear pants, except, mm-hmm. of course, like at the gym. So this guy, he's great. His name's Sal. He would not care about me mentioning his name. We're very good friends. I'm literally mm-hmm. like I was texting him earlier today. I'm going to go support him at like a marathon. We're no longer dating. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that factors into the story. But at the time, he was like, you're really creative. You're really crafty. Because I used to throw all these like costume parties. And mm-hmm. this was like this was an amazing thing to him. I was throwing these amazing costume parties. And he was like, I would love to see you like cosplay by which he meant I would love to see you make me a cosplay (laughs) so that we can go to like comic-con together because I'd never gone to like New York comic-con or like anime Boston or any of these big conventions and he had and he knew that like if you can craft something if you can create a cool costume like you become a celebrity for the day Mm -hmm. at these things and he saw his bid for power in my hands like I could create that for us so that's how I got into the world of cosplay. It was through like this guy and making a costume for the first time, which we debuted at Comic-Con. For the record, I think the reason that I discovered you was I think Sexy Anglerfish was making. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Yeah. For those that don't know, one of my most iconic costumes is a sexy female anglerfish, which is this like horrific fish costume that just like hides the upper half of my body with like all these like teeth. And then like, really sexy legs with pumps on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh I, I genuinely remember seeing that before. Like, I think our interview was scheduled and I saw mm-hmm. that and I was like, I am so excited to talk to this human being. <laughs> oh, so great. Um, so what was, do you mind talking about what the first like cosplay was of what you guys created and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. So the very first cosplay I made, I, I should say we made, because he did help, but it was fundamentally sort of me making everything. Because mm-hmm. like, 
it was in my apartment. I'm the one that like bought all the goods. Like I did all the research, but it was Hawkman from the DC universe. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was like, Sal, we should not both be Hawkman. That doesn't make sense. Like I'll be Hawkwoman. You can be Hawkman. And he was like, Mm -hmm. no, I want us both to be Hawkman. So it was very strange. It was like the two of us dressed in like the same costume. I had to make the same cosplay twice. Nice, yeah. And we did a really good job. It uh, looked great. But the thing is, it was like how I learned how to make stuff at like that kind of scale, right? Like it was the most like put together outfit I'd ever made. And the result was I didn't really know what I was doing. So we went all the way to, to Comic-Con and I was like so sleep deprived by the time we got there. Um, we hadn't really had time to put anything together or on our bodies. So like the day that we wore it was sort of the first day that we like tested anything out. And like, mm-hmm. lo and behold, everything fell apart. During the day, like things just like would fall off our bodies, like things were breaking. We were like hot gluing on the con floor. I literally had a hot glue gun with me plugged in at the Javits Center. I don't even I don't even think that's legal. Uh, but yeah, definitely not. <laughs> so it ended up being this like really tumultuous date for me. Of course, like the guy that I was dating, like he was having a great time because we were like taking photos with everybody. And mm-hmm. uh, I remember thinking like, wow, we're having really different experiences because I made this costume, but like you look better in it. So you're like getting all the attention and I'm like hot gluing in the back background and the day after I called my agent and I was like hey I think I have a good idea for like a rom-com and that became bedazzled Mm -hmm. so when you're putting together a cosplay because I feel like this is one I feel like there's a lot of areas of the internet that I am a like a lurker slash Mm -hmm. watch like I've never done cosplay but I watch so many TikToks Instagram reels and accounts where they're putting together their cosplay yeah. and like the really elaborate ones where they have yeah. like mechan like mechanisms in there and stuff. And I'm mm-hmm. always just blown away because I don't even like putting together a Halloween costume that takes more than like me going to the thrift store. Yeah. So when I see people that are spending that much time on it, what honestly the thing that I always am left wondering and I'm going to ask you is how do you decide? It's almost like a, I guess almost like when you decide what book you want to focus on for, you know, six months or however long it takes you to write the first draft. Like, how do you decide on a cosplay costume that you're like, okay, I want to spend X amount of weeks on this and X amount of dollars Mm -hmm. to go towards, like, how do you hone in on what you want to do next? Well, I think fundamentally it's like, which character do you resonate with? Like whose like role do you want to step into? Cause that's what you're doing when you put on a costume, you're making, the fantasy a wearable artifact that you can sort of step into. So like, I think that probably is the main thing that factors into a lot of people, right? Like whose power do you want to kind of become? Mm. However, for me, because I've only created sort of this one really big cosplay and then the one that I made last year, I created like a him costume. If I look at like what's consistent between those two, it's usually like revenge is kind of the reason that I end up make some, making something really elaborate. And what I mean by that is that after this whole incident at New York Comic Con years ago with this guy, we uh, we did end up breaking up, not because of like anything that happened at the con, but for like you know other reasons. But the in the aftermath, I did end up like having it was like the next year, and it was like a month before Comic Con, and I did end up having to like help him with his costume anyways, like a month after breaking up, and then and then the year after that he stole my idea. Like I had had this idea for us to work on and he took it. He took it. It was him from the Powerpuff Girls, which is like mm-hmm. one of my favorite characters ever. And no one had read Be Dazzled. I had only just finished writing it, but all of this like happens in that book. And I had written it before it actually happened in my real life. So I don't know if I like manifested it manifested. or what. Yeah, it was really weird. And so it was a little spooky. And when I finally was like, okay, I'm going to actually make something 
really cool because I have I have time. This is like the in the past year, and it was because of COVID. You know, I have mm-hmm. a lot more time at home. The thing that my mind kept returning to was. I'm going to do justice, like, for the version of me that sort of exists between my books in between real life that, like, never got to, like, actually do this. And so mm-hmm. that's how I picked creating the him costume that I wore last year. I love that you, like, secreted in the universe a, a negative, like, a, a I, Yeah, yeah it, was, it was weird. And I'm like, I'm like, I better keep this, like, pattern on the DL because my next book is about, like, horror and people dying. And I don't want to manifest that. So I just, I don't want to repeat incident. <laughs> Um, when you are focusing on a cosplay see i I, I, here's why i'm glad that you gave me a few other things that you like talking about because i'm gonna see how i can do this yeah do you stick to like i want to do stuff in like the anime world like have you thought about doing a sailor moon are you thinking Mm -hmm. about doing a rum tum tugger like (laughs) uh it was a skimble shanks like are you gonna do a cast (laughs) i think those those two and uh, mr mcopolis are the three cats that i know do you have a because obviously cosplay is such a wide yeah. thing and, and it can be I, obvious, obviously a lot of the cosplay that people are going to wear to a specific con is going to be themed mm-hmm. around whatever that con is but like mm-hmm. do you tend to find yourself sticking to like anime or cartoons that you like so like how does how's your process work I am so taken in by like the theater of everything and like the fantasy of all the things mm-hmm. that I really love that I can see myself doing costumes for any of those things like the second I walk out of like cats or really like I saw Wicked recently too and the second I walked out I was like oh I like want to try recreating like half the things I saw and that's what I'm thinking about when I like watch shows or anything I'm thinking how can I make that because something that I've always had is this inclination to kind of manifest my dreams in reality I mean that's what Reverie my first book is literally about right like the theme is taking something that's fantasy and creating it in your world and that's been something that I've tried to do my entire life both with my books but that's kind of how I got into crafting that's how I got into like fashion and wardrobe alteration in general it's because in high school I consistently would see clothing, like women's clothing that I thought was so much more interesting, but, you know, wouldn't fit me. And so I would, I would alter it. I would buy like fabric. I would make my own clothes. I would buy like, you know, boys clothing and like paint on it, make it interesting, Mm -hmm. basically make it really flamboyant looking. And the, the urge to kind of create things for myself and to do stuff with my hands sort of underpinned all of it. So yeah, I could definitely see myself making something from Sailor Moon or something from Cats. Actually, one of my next cosplays will be a Sailor Moon cosplay, I think. So some of the other conversations I've had, I've had to like, I've talked to the the authors and we kind of have to like squint and be like, how does that thing connect to like, um, like <laughs> Geely Siegel, who I know you know. Really well. I love them. Yeah, yes. so Geely's wonderful. She talks about hockey. And so I was like, how does, how does this yeah. work? And like, we found found a way through it but it, I mean to me it sounds like when you're talking about the process of going to like pick out clothing and then changing it up like is that process similar to when you're writing a book like do you see through lines between the two absolutely I only started writing because it just felt like a cheap way that I could kind of continue doing this like art of manifesting dreams right like mm-hmm. when I was a kid I would draw I actually still draw a ton and I was like I want to be an animator I want to do comic books and then I was like no I want to be a pop star I want to be on stage like all of these kind of come from the same place of like I want to express myself somehow mm-hmm. and writing truly writing just felt like something that like it was cheap it was easy I was always going to have pen and paper or like a word processor on like a computer and you know, famously, you, you can get into writing with like zero dollars, right? You don't need to buy anything to do it. And if you're traditionally published, like, 
you don't pay anybody, right? You eventually get paid. So that's kind of how I got into writing. I just wanted to make stuff and it just felt simple to kind of go that route. Mm -hmm. But yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I actually know, I I love that you mentioned the whole, like, you don't really need any money to become a writer. Like Mm -hmm. I told you before I started querying and as people are probably getting tired of hearing me say, or before we started recording, I'm querying. This week I I got like I I feel like I'm officially in the like writing community because I got my first group of rejections which didn't amazing hurt. yeah, yeah but, that's like, great but, like the thing about it that I honestly really did enjoy yeah. is like I was able to find these literary agents who because I've been in the literary world for a long time like I know their name and yeah. I emailed them and like just even the thought like those people were like hey I read your query and like they commented on they're like this is the part that I like, like I'm gonna pass on it but I really appreciate it. like even just that little like. Oh, I, I wrote this and there was no dollars towards it. And like, I didn't ask anybody for anything. And it was just like, I, this person responded like that yeah. in and of itself is, is lovely. And I want you are in it, right? Like you're in, that's what the rejection means. It's like, you are engaging. It's now a dialogue rather than you monologuing to yourself and your creativity. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But one of the things I wanted to ask you about is you were you know, talking about these different things. Like you said, like watching an anime or going to a show or seeing a piece of clothing that you wanted to kind of to change up. I feel like we're similar in a situation where thinking through your books so far, like Reverie and Bedazzled and then The Honeys, which is your next one coming up where it's horror, like they're different types of genres. And you all, you jump through, like there's all these different things you're interested in, like cosplay and anime working out and these different things that you put yourself out online. And I love that it's not like, I don't want to say people who just do like one genre or just one thing because that's not true. But are you the type of person, because I very much am like, I never want to be defined by one thing. I wanted, I want to do all these different things. Like, do you Mm -hmm. think about that when you're planning out your next, your next stories? I have so much going on in my head that I feel like (laughs) the the thing that like comes to mind, I was like, I have so much going on in my head that I, I sort of worry about like the day when we can like broadcast our thoughts. Like if I was Jean Grey, the world would just be obliterated because I would have no filter over it. And all the people around me would be going insane mm-hmm. with all the stuff that I like think about. And so I'm amazed when people can focus and sort of just do one thing and do it really well. And like again and again and again, but that'll never ever be me. Mm-hmm. I sort of have like a, a lot of energy and I spend a lot of it. Like the thing that kind of gives me energy back is, pushing it into all of these different types of projects. And like writing is the only thing that I've ever done where after I'm done doing it, I feel even like more energized, more myself, more like calibrated towards Mm -hmm. it. It just, it feels good to do. And same thing with like arts and crafts creating. And so, yeah, I mean, I do think about kind of the whiplash that I've given (laughs) to people because I am in so many different places. Um, But unfortunately that's just like a fraction of like what I have to do with every day living inside my own head. So sorry, (laughs) sorry to the people out there, but I don't know. I'm strictly, I'm of the mindset that, especially because I come at things from the point of view of like a queer creator, Mm -hmm. like I'm never going to have enough lifetime to further my agenda of proving that there's not a genre where like queer people don't belong or there's Mm -hmm. not a space where like queer people like can't do it well. And I'm also delusional and spiteful. And so I also come from this from the angle of like, well, I can actually do it better. So I can do it better and I can do a lot of things really well. So I'm sorry if you're exhausted by like how kind of pompous that sounds, but like, I'm not going to stop that. that, That's kind of like how I approach like something brand new is that I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it my way. And it's going to be awesome because it's mine and it's going to be super gay. And you're not, you're not gonna be able to compare it to anything. 
Yeah. And, but the thing is like, I, I mean, maybe I don't think that sounds pompous because I also feel that same way. Like when I'm writing something, I'm like, well, I'm writing this because no one else can tell the story and that's why it matters. And that's why it should be out in the world. And I, I like what, honestly, the way that I think about what you're saying is like, I read Reverie before, you know, obviously that was your first book. So there weren't, there was like a second book to go to. But then like when I read Bedazzled after Reverie, I was like, holy shit, these are completely different. I can't wait to see what he's going to do next. And so yeah. to me, I feel like that's how I hope it anyway. That's how other people approach your books is like, I am imagining the person who reads the honeys as the first Ryan LaSalle book that they ever read. And then they pick up Reverie and they're like, what the, mm-hmm. but like, I don't know, to me, that's an exciting thing. And that's how I feel a lot. Like you were mentioning this about writing and creating, like it can be an exhausting process to read a book or I imagine to create an entire cosplay costume, but then seeing the final product does that give you that same feeling almost like look at this watch this here's how professional podcaster almost like working out does where you're exhausted at the end but then you want to keep going and doing it again because you can see the results absolutely the whole reason i like working out and you know arts and crafts like the thing that those have in common is that you start a project and you can actually see the results on like a day-to-day basis like when you're a writer so much of that process is just embedded deep in your subconscious and in your brain and you know maybe on a file on your computer or like a notebook but you can't really hold it right like it's just like a physical thing that lacks an actual like corporeal form so you can't interact with it in like material reality like you can like working out or something like that so I really love those other things because they give you that feedback right away and there's something Mm -hmm. like really like it kind of embeds you in reality when you're actually making something with your hands or if you're like exercising but I'm lucky enough that now that I'm like in my career as an author I can actually hold these books and I can actually like pick up an idea that I had once and that's a really cool feeling it's really cool to say you know, this is the actual like bound version of a dream that I once had. And like, here it is. And further, it's cool to know that it's it's in a bunch of places. It's in libraries and stores and it's changing sort of the, you know, those microcosms of reality out there like one by mm-hmm. one as well. So yeah, it's, it's really neat to kind of see that influence take place in real time. Do you, when you're working on cosplays, do you show like friends what you're working on or do you kind of wait for the big reveal at the end? I will show friends. I have a few friends and they're actually the people that Bedazzled is like the the cast of that book is all modeled around like people that I actually know. And there's no like one-to-one parody just in case these friends listen. They know this, but I have to point it out that like there's no like one character per person. It's loosely inspired by my group of friends. And I will inundate specifically my like one friend, Christina, who's named in the book as well. I will inundate her with like progress photos and she'll do the same for me. Like we both, like we work on things. We compete together. We actually competed in like a cosplay competition yeah. in November, which is a great story if you want to hear it. But yeah, yeah, no, we'll send each other like progress photos and the progress photos look bananas because what I think people don't understand is like, and this is true for all costuming, like even like, you know, what you see the Avengers wearing, like before it looks good in final, it looks so bananas cuckoo crazy like there are photos of me with like saran wrap wrapped around my entire body and like then duct tape placed over the saran wrap because that's how you sort of get like a mold of your body that you can then like adhere like armor to and things like Mm -hmm. that and those techniques like they're used like up the food chain in terms of too so i have a treasure trove of very awkward very ugly photos of myself in like all of these states of like getting ready. And then finally at the very end, there's like a gorgeous photo. That's what goes on the internet. That's what everybody else sees. Yeah. No, I I take a lot of progress photos. You also have to take progress photos if you want to compete so that you can prove that you made the thing that you're wearing. Mm -hmm. Well, and I love that you mentioned also that, like you said, like the, 
the things that you do are the same things that people are doing all the way up. And, and I do think that's one of the fascinations I have with, um, with cosplay, with writing, with um, looking at like, like bakers online and stuff is like, you see these people, like I, I follow, people probably wouldn't think about this knowing me, but like, I follow a bunch of makeup artists on Instagram, like the ones that'll oh, yeah. do the, the, like they have their, and it'll be TikTok too, like they'll do like a little bit of sketching and then they kind of like turn and their dramatic, you know, reveal is like their entire face is like, it looks like a prison cell or it's like, it's just <laughs> yeah. like these insane things. Yeah. And so I love what you said, because you're right. Like, knowing that in theory in 2022 and beyond, like someone could start a cosplay channel or they could start writing. And Mm -hmm. it's the same process that people who are making endless amounts of money and getting notoriety for, like if you just keep working on it and that feedback, I imagine with like the cosplay community online is to be super like active. And how did you get into a competition with your guys' costume? Okay, so... My friend Christina texts me and she's like, hey, like cosplay season's coming up. Like, are you going to make anything? And this is like the precise moment when I felt that like ember of revenge flare back to life. And I was like, oh my God, now's the time. I'm going to mm-hmm. create the like him costume from the Powerpuff Girls. It's also what Rafi and Bedazzled like creates for his big competition. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've ever encountered this. You definitely will in your writing career. Like, there's always this sort of, like, gap between, like, you know, because we're writing about phenomenal people, right? Like, these heroes. And there's always this gap when people, like, meet us, the author, being like, oh, well, you know, you know you're know, you not Katniss Everdeen. <laughs> and, like, I, like, well, yeah, of course, because we're right, we're making up people. Mm-hmm. And something that I'm self-conscious of, you know, is that I am a crafter. But I can't craft at the level of, you know, the the kids that I'm writing about, but I am like heavily researching it. And I know when people look me up, they're probably expecting like someone who knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. There's no really, you know, there's no evidence of that. So I was like, okay, this is my chance to actually show that like I can do this. Mm -hmm. And I'm not planning to like compete. I'm just planning to like make something cool and that'll be it. And of course that wasn't it. I ended up making it and we ended up like entering into, you have to apply to compete in the first place. Mm -hmm. So I applied to compete. We get into the competition and like suddenly it's on. And this is at um, Anime NYC, which is like the biggest anime community. East Coast, huge deal. So we get into the competition and Christina and I, like we make our outfits. And again, we are now acting out bedazzled as like a pair. Cause this is like, again, like the friendship that like takes place bedazzled. We get to like the behind the scenes during the day of, and we immediately like are crestfallen because the people that are showing up for this competition, like, and we're in the beginners category and the people that are like the masters category have these like massive transforming cosplays. Like they, they press a button and a Bluetooth device, like lights up a sword. Like they look amazing. It is truly like fantasy walking in real life. It was cool though at the same time because you're getting to see all the people that you see like you see online and like they're real people. And again, it's that like you're confronted with the fact that like, you know, dreams are being made into reality. And you're like, wow, mm-hmm. you made this with your hands. Like you're just, you know, you work at like Panera Bread and then you go home and you like do this incredible yeah. skill that is extremely coveted. Like mm-hmm. that's awesome. I love that. And so we like we have to present to the judges. The judges are I end up like you present to the judges and this all takes place before like the sort of pageant portion of it. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the like behind the scenes where they get to see everything up close. And the judges are like, like they hear my story about how like I wrote a book. They like are fascinated by this and also like picking up on the fact that I'm like a crazy person <laughs> for basically writing a book about my ex-boyfriend who's with me at the con currently and is having to watch me dress up in like this like revenge costume. Yeah. He had dressed up and you know, all this stuff happens. And then we have to do the actual like, 
pageant portion, which is in front of like a massive 500 person audience. And Christina and I, you know, we both do our walks. We get off stage. We're backstage. We're getting like complimented by, you know, the other contestants. Mm-hmm. And eventually, you know, they go to announce the the winners. And, um, you know, of course, like the beginners, intermediate and master, there's like a first place for each of those. And then there's like mm-hmm. a, you know, it's like a best in show. But there's also like little superlatives for people that are like, you know, just doing it for the first time and probably need some sort of validation. And so yeah. we listen for the superlatives and neither of us gets named. And it's stuff like, you know, sassiest walk, you know, best hair. And I'm like, I should have been, why not me? But, you know, so of course we like, don't get no- named for those. So at that point we sort of like step to the back of the stage because, we want to like leave room for everybody else. And mm-hmm. then they go through like the winners of like the beginner intermediate expert. And then they get to best in show. And suddenly I hear my name. Yeah. And I proceed to win best in show for like the entire con dressed as like this particular character who like is from this book and, and who should shove through all of the cameramen, like cameramen, there's like people like interviewing me who shoves through all of them. But Sal, my ex-boyfriend <laughs> at this point and he like hugs me and in my ear, in my ear, he whispers, honestly, this is a little fucked up, isn't it? <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was like, yeah, eat a bitch. Like, that was really like this like interaction. It's caught on camera. And then I like proceed to like be handed a trophy and like flowers. Oh my God. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. It was truly like an incredible circular moment mm-hmm. in my life. And I mean, we're not even talking about this, but like the actual like reward of like getting awarded this by like other crafters and getting to like talk about like how I made stuff like Mm -hmm. that's really what I wanted it wasn't about this relationship and it wasn't about bedazzled the book at that point it sort of transcended into actually being acknowledged for you know the cosplay side of it which was really cool so now I'm like a person in the cosplay community and I want to show as like a beginner which is super cool I was just gonna say you clearly have to like you have to now make something to be entered into like there's pressure. You can't not be in the next time, right? I'm retiring. I, that's what I told everybody. I was like, actually, it's over. Like I, I can't keep doing this. Where like I take my hobbies and I turn them into books because then it turns into this like conflagration of like mm-hmm. pressure and like that's what happened with like Reverie, The Honeys, Bedazzled. Like I just keep writing about things that I like just happen to do and. Yeah. I'm like running out of hobbies that I haven't monetized somehow. And that's what <laughs> happened with like cosplay. I was like, I was like, lo and behold, this like thing that I did as a separate like refuge from writing has now mm-hmm. become like yet another like kind of like career thing. And yeah. I'm kidding. I will definitely create more. I have yeah. tons of plans to do stuff, but I have flirted with the idea of just like giving it up for good. Cause it's such a fluke to like win something like this. Mm-hmm. It feels like a fluke. And I just don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to lose. Except yeah. I actually don't really care that bad, but like, you know, it'd be funny if I stopped Ooh. doing it forever. Yeah. <laughs> We'll be back with more passions and prologues after this break. I'm Anne Marie Kelly. Wild Precious Life is a podcast about dreaming big, digging in, and connecting across distance, division, and loss. In each episode, I talk with prize winning writers, musicians, and wanderers who remind all of us how we can make the most of the time we have. So meet me here. Let's walk and talk and dream and discover what it means to be wild, precious, and brave. And now, back to passions and prologues. Okay, so have you? Okay, so this will be a two-part to get into the honeys a little bit. Have you thought about doing like a horror-related cosplay, and then also like how did the honeys come about? Since you kind of have like these almost like villain origin stories for the other two books. Like, 
where did the interest to want to write a horror novel come from? So you can do the anime. Have you thought of a, of a horror anime first, and then we'll get into the actual book? Yeah, so I have a bunch of craft projects for the honeys. I'm not doing it. I'm not building any cosplays right now because I'm sort of in promotion mode for that yeah. book. Like, I'm about to be on, like, I'm touring in August for it. I have a bunch of other appearances. And so I'm not creating any, like, I guess they are kind of cosplays, but I'm basically creating, like, looks that I can wear, like, out in public, like, for appearances. And so, like, I have designs in my head for, like, a bedazzled beekeeping suit, which I think would be really fun. Like, you know, like, a beekeeper veil is, like, such a rich costume piece that I'm like, oh, like, I would love to, like, embroider something. So I have some ideas. I can't be too explicit about, like, a specific, like, Honey's cosplay, because there is one thing in the book that I think would be a really cool cosplay, but it's a total spoiler, so I can't, yeah. like, talk about it. But, yeah, no, I... The biggest honor as a creator, as an author for me, is to see people, like, cosplay or create, like, fan art, or basically create stuff around my books. So, while I have ideas for, like, what I'll make, what I really would love is for other people to, like, mm-hmm. create looks or costumes, like, you know, surprise me at, like, a con. That would be the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. So how did the the book come about? Like, were you watching a specific movie or like what, how does this creepy horror novel and bees mm-hmm. and everything come together? Were you, was it Macaulay Culkin and you can't see without his glasses? Like, what, how does this all come about? So The Honeys is about a, um, a gender fluid kid named Mars who uses like he, him pronouns um, in the beginning of the novel at least. And uh, it's about him basically trying to investigate the like hot popular girls at a summer camp that he thinks have some connection to the murder of his sister who like died in relation to like this summer camp. Um, So Mars goes to summer camp to figure this out. And the main like kernel for this is that, well, I went to summer camp. I loved summer camp, but I also had like a few like pretty perilous experiences as like a very flamboyant kid at summer camp. Like I think one of the few like fist fights I got into was like at summer camp. When it, and this is like sleepaway camp. So, you know, like you're in the woods for weeks yeah. at a time is I would show up on summer camp and like just day one would lie compulsively. I would just make shit up about who I was. I would have an accent. I would have been royalty. And I would just like truly like create like a character and like that was my defense against like all things. And like one year I told like, I just got the counselors that I had a medical exemption that meant that I had to have uh, a walking stick with me at all times. Incredible. Not because of like a limp or anything, just because it was like my comfort walking stick, but it was just because I needed like a weapon in case yeah. <laughs> we had summer camp. And like another, another time I like invented a witchcraft cult and like recruited people into this cult during like in this I'm like nine at the time just yeah. put this in perspective and and I just really like eventually when I was thinking about like books I wanted to write I wanted to return to the setting where you know it's kids in the woods and whoever you are in society whatever you have it doesn't matter anymore because there's mm-hmm. no one else with an earshot society is through miles and miles of forests you've just got yourself and you're coming and whatever you can think of on the spot, right? And I wanted to write about like that particular tension. And that's why I put a queer kid in a summer camp and summer camps are like very binary. So like mm-hmm. if you're fluid, right? Like if you're like super queer, like like I am, that becomes an issue, you know, mm-hmm. like a boys and girls camp. And that's why Mars in the book is infatuated with the honeys, these girls, because they are like sort of untouched by all of like these mm-hmm. battles that Mars has to go through because they're hot and like, you know, hyper feminine and popular and they know something. And so that's yeah. what Mars is trying to trying to get to because 
in many ways, that's the kind of kid that I was at camp. I was looking to run from the boys and I was looking to the girls for protection. Mm -hmm. I I love that concept of you can kind of be anyone you really do choose to be. I think, um, was it camp fight? Was it Elsie Rosen? Yeah. Yeah. Great example of this. Yeah. So like they literally, their main character basically reinvents themselves to try to, if I'm remembering, sounds like you also know the book. I haven't read it in a few months, but they recreate themselves to kind of like get this boy that they like to sort of fall for them. Yeah, they decide to like butch it up. Like yeah. they show up on camp and like despite people knowing who they are, like they show up day one of camp and they're like, actually, I'm mask. Like everyone's like, you're at a theater camp for gay people. Yeah, yeah that, so that was like yeah. the incredible part about that is like right. every other person was like, no, I really do love that idea of just being like, I'm going to be who I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. And we'll figure it out. Yeah, I, and I also love, you're right, like I feel like summer camps, those like sleepaway camps are a perfect horror setting for, and not just because of like horror movies, but they're right. like, like you said, middle of the woods, right. completely set. Like, yeah, I, I here's, like, like here's the through line. It's that like, and this is a theme that's in the honeys too, like what it costs us to survive is oftentimes like, that's what's under the microscope for so many people. Like me as this like little like lying kid, like, yeah, I can like laugh about it. And of course, like there's probably something pathological about the way that I behaved, but mm-hmm. that's what it took in order to like kind of stay stay safe in like those scenarios. And that's what like mm-hmm. Mars has to do in the honeys is that he's got to like do stuff that like are morally super ambiguous, but ultimately like how can we critique somebody when they're fighting for survival or for like, you know, revenge or for, you know, a just cause. And I think we oftentimes create we have to sort of create our means of survival. And that's kind of what like costuming brings me as well, right? Like a lot of people, drag queens included, have to kind of create power in the form of like a persona that Mm -hmm. they step into and embody. And I think that that's such a fascinating exchange between like, you know, a normal human and then this like more powerful entity that they've got to become in order to, you know, outlast a harsh world. So I think that there is sort of a connection between a bunch of these different things. I'm doing your job for you. No, you're, yeah, and you're really killing it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan also has hosted a podcast, by the way, no big deal. Like, yeah, but it's about Tyra Banks. So it's a little different. And I would oh, say that like, don't exist in Tyra Banks. Um, no, but so, but actually I did want to ask you guys talking about these, all these things that you mm-hmm. find joy in that you have that, as you said, monetized. I, I had a couple conversations with authors. So, uh, Kaylin Bayron was on and talked about musical theater and mm. she talked about how she inserts that stuff into her stories. But then um, Mallory Romero was talking with me about how like she she loves powerlifting. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons she loves it is because being in the book world, like we all are, she's like, even the thing that I enjoy to do for fun, which is reading, she's like, I she's like, I'm kind of a book person. And if, if I talk about a book online, people are going to, it's going to get attention and I can't be mm-hmm. negative and it's stressful. So she uses powerlifting. It's like, that's her outlet. Yeah. And it sounds to me like you start off with an outlet and then like, I'm actually going to write about that. Like, do yeah. you have to be cautious for your own kind of like mental health and to find that line of taking a break because as an author you really you could in theory just constantly be working like are you able to separate like oh this is a cosplay thing that I'm going to I'm doing this for me or this Mm -hmm. is a you know I'm watching this anime because I love watching anime like are you able to shut it off or do you always find yourself seeing like little ideas here and there 
it's kind of a constant, incessant flow of like, oh, I could use this. Oh, that would be really interesting to create. And I mean, luckily, like I said, creating stuff brings me so much energy and like so much joy that I don't feel vexed by this. But sometimes I do sort of wish I had something that was like completely separate. And that's what like, you know, working out is sort of that thing for mm-hmm. me as well, right? Like it's totally a part, has, it requires like zero real brain function I can like totally tune out yeah I mean there are times that I'm like I wish I could kind of step out of this ironically the thing that like now that I'm like a full-time creative have all these creative pursuits the thing that I like dream of mm-hmm. I'm like I feel like I'm gonna get like canceled for this is having like a like minimum wage job just like a side like a side yeah. job like I want to go work at like I want to go work at Panera Bread I want to mm-hmm. work at Panera Bread I want to change my name when people ask me what dreams and like what I do on my free time I lie and I, don't, I say nothing yeah and I just like I have a job I have a task and I can just do it and mm-hmm. literally the job that I think about like it's not actually Panera Bread I think about in Willy Wonka Charlie Bucket's father's job is like screwing toothpaste <laughs> and that's like my dream job I'm like oh that sounds great like I could just go and like listen to music and I have one task and I just do it over and over and over again and like the monotony is just so appealing to me and mm-hmm. I'm like not just talk on this I've literally like I mean the irony being is that like I'm not I'm talking about getting a job as a hobby yeah <laughs> like aside from my actual job but um but recently like I was chatting with some old coworkers from like my my job in tech before I was uh, an author, and they were like, "Oh, actually, we need some help with this thing." And I was like, "Oh my, can I like do that for you?" So like, yeah. now on my like free time, I just do like little like corporate tasks, <laughs> and I, it, it like brings me like meditation, and I get paid for it. I was gonna say, I love that. I love the idea. That's how you know you are a good employee when you leave that company to pursue your dream, and then you're also like, "But I'm also freelancing for them on the side." Like, yeah, hey. this is truly like. And I mean, the irony is, so the work that I'm doing for them is like interviews and like recruitment type stuff because I'm like mm-hmm. talking I like to talk to people and I can do I can talk all day so they're having me like you know interview like potential employees and it's always really funny when like someone has like looked me up because they're like yeah. I have an interview with like Ryan LaSalle and they like google me and they're like I have an interview with like a clown basically like <laughs> who is this person and they almost always think I'm somebody else until somehow like the conversation will like merge these two things and they'll like admit they're like oh my god yeah I like did a bunch of research I also pre-ordered your book because it sounded good I wasn't sure if that's who I was talking to that's you and I'm like yeah sorry that's that's me anyhow that's um, amazing talk about salary requirements uh I actually I so to on a different extent like I was telling you before I started recording I work for this wonderful tech company it's plural site I'm not like hiding where I work but like people yeah. will join our company because it's so large and our marketing team is so wildly talented. Someone will come on and I'll be like, I recognize that person. And then I'll look up their name and it's like, oh, because they have a giant food blog that I get recipes off of like once a week. Or like, oh, I follow their dog on Instagram. Like it's yeah. always something like that. It's yeah. yeah, it never fails. It's so That's funny. so weird. That's so interesting though. Yeah. Um, all right. So I am always, the last question I'm having everybody answer is just like giving a recommendation for everybody. It could be a book. It could be... Um, uh, an anime it could be to watch cats whatever you want like a recommendation to be for everybody what's a thing that you're really enjoying lately something that i'm really enjoying lately i am i am gonna go with an anime actually hold on i want to double check okay i have two things to talk about first and foremost if you have netflix um these are two programs on netflix that have just brought me like a lot of joy on the side they both have to do with little japanese children the first one is 
Old Enough, which is a program from Japan where it's basically like little kids in Japan because it's such a safe environment um, being told to like go run errands. And like we're talking like two, three years old. And it's just like cameramen following these kids that are like trying to accomplish the daunting task of like delivering a letter to like the neighbor down the street. And it's so cute. They get like distracted. They like pick flowers. They don't know how to do stuff. They like learn how to ask for help. And it's like seven minute episodes and I, you like it's not like emotional or anything like that but you'll sort of like cry because it's so cute so cute very, yeah. very cute and then the other you will also cry if you watch this but it's this anime called kotaro lives alone which is uh i think it's like also on netflix and it's about this like this like man who lives in an apartment complex like he's like an artist and his life's not really going anywhere you can tell that he's like depressed he literally wears a sweatsuit at all times one day his like doorbell rings because he's got a new neighbor and his new neighbor is a four-year-old named Kotaru who like lives alone, hence mm-hmm. the title of the anime. And in the anime, like the big mystery is like, why does this like child live alone? The child's like extremely formal, can like take care of himself, but like no one really understands like why this like child like lives alone. And that's like the big mystery, but it's really sweet because basically the child has a lot of pride mm-hmm. and so all these people are trying to help this kid, like basically act as like they're standing for the parents, uh, but they can't tell, like they can't betray to the child that they're helping him. So they have to make up reasons that actually like the child's helping them, mm-hmm. right? Like do these like chores and things like that, um, go food shopping. Uh, and as a result, all these people that live in this apartment complex that never knew one another and sort of lived their lives in like parallel start to kind of form a family around this kid, like trying to raise this kid. And eventually you do sort of learn more about like the backstory and it's heartbreaking and beautiful but it's super cute and like also you know short little like episodes so if that's something that you want to you want you can turn it on in the background it's really cute that's I, that sounds amazing i am absolutely gonna check that out I, it's really good it's really great i sobbed in the second episode so yeah. good luck <laughs> thank you perfect that's fine yeah. um, all right well ryan you as i've told a few times on these interviews now like the first just like several like the first like dozen of these episodes of this podcast are just me talking to people that i am friendly with and so <laughs> i when i reach out to you you, you out immediately on board if i appreciate but also i will say this wasn't just so Ryan can come on and talk. If it's before August 2nd that you're listening to this, go pre-order the honeys. If it's August 2nd or later, go buy the honeys. Please. Yeah. Make sure Ryan can keep doing his cosplay. He needs to yeah, all these I need to, I, craft supplies are expensive. <laughs> Literally, they're so expensive. So rhinestones don't pay for themselves. Please go buy my books. <laughs> That's my sale. That's my pitch. <laughs> Ryan, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a joy. Thank you. Passions and Prologues is proud to be an evergreen podcast and was created by Adam Sokol. It was produced by Adam Sokol and Sean Rule Hoffman. And if you are interested in this podcast and any other evergreen podcast, you can go to evergreenpodcast.com to discover all the different stories we have to tell. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. 
Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.